is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Vocal Perspective. I'm Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. Hello. We are bringing an amazing guest to you today. We have Dr. Marianne East. The last time I saw her in person, I couldn't have been able to call her that. She's worked very hard over these past how many years, Marianne, has it been? Well, the doctorate took me 10. And it's worth <laughs> every bit of those little letters. So congratulations and welcome, Marianne, to the podcast. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. I was so excited to reach out to you. Oftentimes, I am inspired to get our guests via Facebook, and this was another instance, a little shout out to social media, I guess, for being Sometimes it's useful. You know, <laughs> it is. I always am in the negative about it, so it's nice when something positive comes from that. And I saw Marianne post. She posted about a program that she's the director of, I believe. Hopefully artistic director. Yes. We're, so we're in the growth stages. We're in the growth stages here. This is her brainchild. This is her passion project, and it's called Empower Her Music. If you saw it, you'd know exactly exactly why we were just drawn to it. So I can't wait for us to get into that. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, why haven't we had Marianne on the on the podcast? And I realized this is my network of people that I get to bring in. <laughs> Usually it's Amanda and her six degrees of separation. I'm sure we could find it to Marianne. I'm sure. I, it, would, it would take like two seconds. <laughs> well, now we all work for or have worked for UU Churches in mm-hmm. the DC there area. So yep. <laughs> anyway, Marianne, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about who you are and what brought you to this path of being a doctorate? Is it a vocal music or is it in music education? What is music education? I started out as a music education major in undergrad, had my sights set on being a high school choral director because that was who was my inspiration. Mary McAdory, who was my choir director at Hayfield Secondary over in Alexandria. You are a local, like you're from here. Yeah, I moved here when I was eight. I know that that's rare in this area. Extremely. And so when I finished my bachelor's degree, I came back. I was a Fairfax County public school music teacher for six years. I taught elementary, middle, and high school. And my last year of my high school job, I got pregnant with my first child. And we had the big debate about, do we work? Do we not work? At that time, the position was only a half-time position. So financially, it didn't make sense for me to work. So I took a year off from Fairfax County to see what would happen. And so that's when I stepped into church music at the congregation affair of Reston, where I met Chris. And I bet we were teaching together too. Probably. We we weren't crossing paths because I was in Herndon at that time. So we probably were just running in the same crowd. Yep. And at that time, I was also, I had finished my master's degree from George Mason. And so Lisa Billingham and Stan Angerbretson called me and said, we heard through the grapevine that you're taking a year off from Fairfax County. Would you like to come and start a women's chorus at Mason? So they knew that I had sung in a Washington women's chorus years before and had a great passion for women's music. So I stepped into those roles and was at Mason for 15 years as an adjunct and went from various church jobs. I'm now at a Methodist church, private studio, the whole nine yards wrapped into all of that. And in 2013, I co-founded Capital Harmonia, which is a local women's chorus. A number of singers from Washington Women's Chorus, which had folded, wanted to continue to sing. And one of of the chorus members called me and said, hey, would you pick up the baton and do maybe over here in Virginia? We we all got tired of driving all the way into DC (laughs) at night. So we started that and that's a unique organization in itself as well. We don't rent halls and sell tickets. We 
sing for other women's organizations. So we sing for Women Giving Back. We do fundraisers for House of Ruth downtown in DC. We sing at their shelters, Avon Walk for Breast Cancer, those types of organizations. And you also showcase and focus on women composers, music for women's voices. And I think that's something that when you go into choral conducting, I had a music education degree as well. You don't really have this, at least I never had the full scope of how different women's music women's chorus music was Mm -hmm. from SATB and we're also used to being able to like click the button like oh I want that in TTB I want that in SATB I want that that's not what we're talking about we're talking about when an actual piece is composed and written for women's voices in mind not just in how the ranges are but in the the message of the songs and I was just wanted you to speak on that because you've now twice been brought in to take over or start a women's chorus and what challenges and what joys did you find in that process? You know, a lot of it is, it's a joy for me because I enjoy the sound of it. I like the close harmonies. And I could say the same thing for for a men's ensemble too, that really close harmony to me is just very gripping. And it's also very challenging, I think, as a singer. It gives me a good challenge to, to sing in that way. But also, as you mentioned, the message of the music. And I have to say women's choral music has come a long way. <laughs> it is Are we all not pining for our man and sad Exactly. Head? It is no more flowers and butterflies and unicorns and oh he, he left, left me, me. and I don't yeah. exist without a man. It just doesn't it's gone <laughs> my existence. Exactly. Is... But there is such meaningful music out there about women's experience and their lives and as all of the different things that we encompass as mothers as professionals as walking that balance of being feminine but being strong all of this yeah so I'm really drawn to that and now having two daughters of my own and even more strong-willed I I read I read I I read some strong wills in your home but it makes me even more passionate about making sure that they have a voice and they know how to use their voice in powerful and constructive ways ways. And so that's the other piece of loving that kind of women's literature that's out there that has come in the recent year. On that note, are you seeing a change in the way that the music is arranged to not just the content of the the music that you're singing? Because I know Chris and I talk a lot about, you know, women's barbershop music, which tends to just reach all the way up to the stratosphere and then go as low as possible rather than you celebrating know, that tight using you know, what we do best yeah. yeah yeah the men that's in my opinion in men's voices that's a strength that mm. they have that they can widen the chord whereas when women do that you often lose a little bit of that timbre and, and so i feel like i love it when we can celebrate hey you don't need to shriek this entire song like- absolutely i think having more women right for women's voices i think it's the same for any instrument because they know the instrument, they live the instrument. It's just like having a flute player compose a flute concerto. They know what the instrument is capable of. So I think a lot of that helps. Yeah. And they have the experience with it. They know how to make it beautiful, challenging, but also singable. Yeah. It's not something that's going to exhaust you by the end of it. Yeah. We talk on this podcast, we talk a lot about acapella music and I'm often referencing the barbershop side of things and Amanda's newer to barbershop, but she's no longer allowed to say she's new. She's been in it for too long now, but she has a much more depth in the contemporary acapella world. And where I think that I always wished barbershop would would borrow from the contemporary acapella world and they're getting better at it is the simplicity Mm. of things. Like you can overcomplicate things like you just can. And we often do. And I think acapella is always looking for that next thing. 
to complicate. Whereas in mm-hmm. choral music, it's a kind of a ebb and flow between complicated and simplistic. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to really love women's choral music. It took me a while. But like you said, it's yeah. come a long way. And now I'm like gravitating to all the all-female groups <laughs> that I can. I'm like, hey, you have a trio? Hey, anybody? You know, I'm like, sorry, guys. I just got this one yeah. for SFA. <laughs> I find myself doing that all the time. And I think part of it is is, is the messages that mm-hmm. are coming across. Far more relatable yes. music these days. Absolutely. So, Marianne, when and how did the Empower Her music come to be? How long has this been? So the idea of a girl's chorus has been in the back of my head forever. And especially since co-founding Capital Harmonia, that for a long time, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if we, we were the parent group and we had this girl's group underneath us. And as wonderful as that would be, Capital Harmonia is a small group. We are, you know, a working singers board. They're tapped out. And not that they wouldn't support this. And I think that there will be plenty of opportunity for partnerships and, and things like that. I really started to think about it needs to be its own thing. You're taking this a little bit farther than just a chorus. You know, yes. for those of us who are coming at this from a typical, let's start a chorus. <laughs> no, 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 no. She has a much bigger vision. And I, I'm just going to read what it says on her website, because I feel like these words really, this is what it was. Empower her music, engaging girls and young women in the DC metro area in becoming strong community leaders by strengthening their self-image through music. Whoa. Like I, I read those words and I thought that's what I felt like my vocal music did for me, but nobody else, nobody ever put it into words. Mm, exactly. And so I, I want to tell a lot of choir directors and people who are listening, you're already doing this, but not everywhere has those exact same resources. And we mm-hmm. don't have a lot of that here. And we get very saturated in this DC metro area with so many things, academics yes. and sports and other music and life and traffic and I mean and more music because once you get into music everyone's like okay sing in this chorus and that chorus and then come and do this one and also (laughs) could you just come in and be a ringer over here yes Mm -hmm. and we want to not forget that these are human beings and they're no longer just these little voices that are little robots that are so great they're human beings and we have this Mm -hmm. precious amount of time with them so I want you to talk to us about how Empower Her Music kind of just gets into the lives of these girls and I know you're just this is the growing stages but what are your wishes and hopes for this program which i think you're hoping to kick off your first course this fall don't know if it'll happen fall fall spring we're waiting on the irs if there's anybody out there listening from the irs i'm waiting on my 501c3 application you never know i have been there i have been there uh because our hands are kind of tied until we get that so what we're looking at is akin to girls on the run if you have knowledge of that organization and my eldest is a track runner. So when she was in elementary school, we did Girls on the Run for a couple of seasons. And, you know, it's not just about running a 5K. There's a whole curriculum involved of empowerment and just how you're growing up as a girl and what you're going through and learning how to advocate for yourself and all of that. And I said, I want to do that, but with music. And the other kind of inspirational piece, which is where Empower Music might go later on was an experience with Capital Harmonia. We sing at one of House of Ruth's transitional sites every fall, except these last last two. So, but it's always one of our favorite concerts because we watch how one of my singers always says, you have to see how the room changes while we're there. So these are women that are trying to get back on their feet, 
have had various different kinds of situations in their lives. They're coming here for literally a roof over their head, for resources in therapy, in clothing, in job training, all of these things. And when we come, we usually have a dinner with the ladies beforehand and we kind of get a chance to get to know them a little bit. And they usually come in, you know, it's like a Wednesday evening. They're tired. They've had a long day or they're trying to get themselves ready to go work a night shift somewhere. But, you know, and it's hard being the director because nine times out of 10, my back is to them because I'm facing my choir. But I always turn around, we talk about the songs, those types of things. And by the end of the concert, they look, their whole demeanor is lifted and it's lighter and it's brighter and they've interacted with us. And one year we sang Christina Aguilera's Beautiful. We sang an arrangement of that. And so at the very end, we brought them up and they sang with us. And it was amazing. And then this very last time we were there, this one woman at the end, she she was so sweet. She raised her hand and she said, could I sing a song for you that I wrote? I was like, yeah, please. And then it turned into, well, you know, it's, it's more like a rap. And I was like, yeah, share, absolutely. And she got up and she, it was her life experience that she shared with us through this, this rap, half rap, half song. Halfway through it, all of my choir members started harmonizing with her. And she had this little refrain that kept coming back. And so by the end of it, we were all singing together, just organically. And it was so amazing. And I thought, this is what we need more of. To see the power of how she might not have sat in a chair and told us her story, but she could get up and sing and rap about it. And it was, I mean, it was raw. It was, it was real and it was amazing. And I thought if there was some mechanism to have people be able to share their life experience through music. So with Empower Her, we're starting with young ladies. And the idea is, yes, to teach them vocal technique and, and all of those good choral things, but to reach them through their music. Where are they? What speaks to them? It won't be a lot of the more art kind of music. It's going to be probably more pop. But bringing out some of these songs that I've discovered with Capital Harmonia about girls' experiences and women's experiences. And then having that curriculum, I have a a partner in my effort, Beth LaBella Foster, who is a, a United Methodist minister, and she does a lot of work in women's studies and working with women in transitional housing and things like that. A lot of trauma-centered ministry that she's done with women. So she's working on our curriculum, which is going to be centered around learning about famous women in all walks of life and learning their stories and how they've contributed, and then helping these young ladies develop a message their motto, what they want to bring to the world. And that came from a piece by Andrea Ramsey called A Letter from a Girl to the World, which is a fantastic piece. Search it on YouTube. It's wonderful. It's a piece she wrote with her middle school choir. And she asked them the question, her middle school girls, she said, what is one thing you wish people knew about? And then she took all these phrases and she created this amazing piece. And everything from, I feel like I can't do anything right. I wish people knew I was smart. 
I want to be able to grow old and teach my grandchildren everything I know. Like all these amazing messages. Yeah, so that's a piece of it is that the girls will come and create this message. And then we hope as they stay through the program that this is something that will change and grow with them as they have new experiences because we all know that those things change as we grow and as we learn. So I'm excited about that piece, about really helping them find their voice and how they can share their hopes and dreams and frustrations and challenges and, and everything that they're going through. I mean, as a counselor in training, I couldn't be more excited to hear about <laughs> programs like this coming for kids. They need it. And for women, especially for young girls, they I mean, we need it. We need a place to safely express what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so often they don't, especially right now when they're stuck at home. And as a parent of a young girl, I want a space for my child to feel safe and, and able, but also I, I understand just from raising them that it's difficult. So having an environment that feels mm -hmm. fun and engaging. And when you were talking about how everybody just started coming together in song and improvising, to me, it's just another point to say that music is indeed another language. You know, it is a universal language. It's a language that crosses so many different barriers, not only community and, and in conversation with people, but also mm -hmm. in the brain and how the brain works. You know, I know that Marianne, you have a lot of experience with this, but we have also have some friends mm -hmm. who work very deeply in music therapy. And I know that often students can't speak the traditional way, but keyboard or a xylophone, and they'll just start speaking words as long as the music is going, you know, or even as they sing it many, you know, so we have to open our eyes to what music is actually capable of and what it's doing already. You know, some of yes. this isn't reinventing the wheel. Some of this is just embracing what we all love and mm -hmm. we all grew up loving and we all had experiences. Like I said, like this is what my high school choir was, but mm -hmm. I didn't know it. I didn't know that that's, you know, I just got really fortunate that my director did something like that in small towns. Town, Indiana. Yeah. Not everybody gets that. And so it's so incredible to see that it's growing right yeah. here. In I'm excited. Another part of your musical paths and journey that I want to talk about because it hits very close to my heart and I hope I don't get teared up talking about it, but is your <laughs> sentimental journey singers. And I know COVID has probably put a lot of damper or a lot of stress on that. The sentimental journey singers, for those of you who don't know, is a chorus for singers with dementia and their care partners. And I yes. am so moved by that. I've worked with some people mm -hmm. with Parkinson's and I've seen some of the amazing therapeutic benefits to that as well. But how did you get started with this? So <laughs> this one was not my brainchild. Sentimental Journey Singers is part of Encore Creativity for Older Adults, which is the nation's largest organization that is focused on choral singing for 55 and older community. So Gene Kelly is the founding director. It's based in Annapolis, but we have... They have to pay somebody for that name. I would have paid somebody to name it Gene Kelly. Like I... <laughs> it's so funny because everyone that sees it is like, so is that Jeannie? And she's like, no, just like the movie Scar. Gene Kelly, yeah. Wish I could dance like him. So she founded Encore Creativity, which has a wonderful story. It was started with a study done through Johns Hopkins on singing and age. So she was brought in as the professional choral musician to work with this group of people. And when this, of course, they, they discovered wonderful things. When you sing, your blood oxygen is better. Your circulation is better. Your breathing is better. You have more energy. You know, we could go on and on and on. <laughs> and when the study was over, all of these people said, well, we want 
Ohana keep singing? What do you mean it's over? Hence, Encore Creativity. So we have 13 chorales in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area that sing traditional choral music. And then we have five rock and roll choirs, Encore Rocks, that awesome. sing rock music. And it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. We also have a chorale and a rocks group up in New York City as well. And so I came on as one of the chorale directors in 2018 and worked with a crowd down in Bailey's Crossroads and had great fun. And 2019, the Kennedy Center invited Encore Chorale to sing The Day After Christmas, December 26th. And they had done this traditionally at the Millennium Stage at Kennedy Center. And they outgrew the Millennium Stage. And so the Kennedy Center... Which, said, for anyone that has never been to the Kennedy Center, the Millennium Stage fills the entire lobby. So to out... I mean, that's a huge it, deal. Yeah, it's not a tiny stage, right? No. So they called Jean and said, would you like to sing in the concert hall? For free. No way. Because that was one of Jean's premises is all encore concerts are free. And she said, I'm not charging people just because we're on the Kennedy Center stage. And they said, no, we'd love to have you for... So 500 singers... And one of the singer's wives called Jean and said, my husband really wants to do the Kennedy Center gig, but he's worried because he's starting to show signs of early dementia. And he's worried that he won't be able to keep up with where you're going in the hall and moving around and being with a huge group of singers. So we don't know what to do. And so Jean's first thought was, well, we want him to sing this concert, so let's figure out what we can do. So after thinking about it, she called the wife back and said, here's what we're going to do. I know you don't sing. It's okay. You're going to put on concert black, and you're going to be with your husband the whole time, and you're going to sit next to him on the stage, and you're just going to pretend to sing. She said, "Not a note doesn't have to come out of your mouth, but you're going to be with him so he feels comfortable and confident and that's how we're going to do this. And so that's what they did. And it was wonderful. And then a couple days later, she called me and said, Marianne, my motto is sing for life. And I'm not doing that because I'm starting to see people are dropping out. And when I ask them why they're dropping out of Encore Chorale or Encore Rocks, things like, well, I can't keep up with the music anymore, or I can't keep up with the pace of rehearsal. I'm losing track of what page we're on and the repeats and things like that. And she said, it's time to do something different. So she said, and you're the right person to do it. And I said, well, I don't, <laughs> I'm not a music therapist. I don't have any training in this. I don't have any experience in this. And she said, but you're the right person to do it. You have the right demeanor. I've watched you. You have the the right amount of patience. You're just, I know you're the right person to do this. And she said, we're, we're going to figure out how to support you to do this, but we, the organization need to take this next step. So fall of 2019, we partnered with Insight Memory Care Center, which is in Fairfax, and they are a day center, but focused on adults with care concerns. And so we partnered with them through their Reconnections program, which is for those with early to moderate dementia. And we came in, we had a group, well, we did an open house. We had about 30 people come to the open house to just kind of see what it was going to be about. Rachel Thompson, who is an amazing music therapist and pianist. She's our accompanist at Capital Harmonia. And so I told Jean, I said, if we're going to do this, Rachel's got to do it with me. And so she was our accompanist, but then also about halfway through rehearsal, she takes over and does some therapeutic work 
with them. Everything from singing games, movement, we do chair yoga, all of those types of things. And it's a wonderful kind of partnership between the two of us to be able to go back and forth. And she's taught me so much. And so we started in the fall of, of 2019 and we had a choir of, we'll call them duets, the diagnosed singer and their care partner. We had 10 duets. And then I had six of our chorale singers that came in for extra help in case um, we did have a couple of singers that didn't have a singing care partner. So they would be a partner singer and to just kind of bolster confidence. And it was wonderful. And we had a fantastic debut concert in December. And we came back after the concert. We had one, one extra rehearsal. And I said, so how do you feel? What did you think? Because I thought, you know, they could have been scared to death. Maybe right. they hated it and they didn't look like it while we were singing. But one woman said they clapped for us. Like it was so meaningful to her that people enjoyed what they did. And I think you that forget. it's like they're jumping off a diving board. You know, we forget. Yeah. We're like, it's going to be fine. People are going to clap for you. It's going to be fine. But we forget that for some people, this is literally their first time or it feels mm -hmm. like their first time, regardless of where they are in their. Well, and I think for that generation in general, they still want to be contributing and they want to know that what they're doing is meaningful. So I think for this particular population, that is magnified. And most of my duets were family members. They were either husband and wife or father and daughter. And for the care partner, this was something that they could actually do together. They spend so much of their time doing things for their loved one, cooking for them, helping them dress, doctor's appointments, things like that. This was something that they weren't doing for them. They were actually doing with them. And that was really great to see. Of course, December came and went. We came back in the spring. We were going great guns. And then <laughs> oh, no, the inevitable happened. And like so many of us choral musicians, how are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Jean came forward and she was like, we have to do something. We have to do something because isolation is the worst, well, worst. thing yeah. for any of us. But again, well, especially. especially this age group. And then especially the on top of that, because, you know, many of them are in a system living so suddenly family can't come right they're completely isolated but yeah in jail, just in their is, rooms they're not even yeah. allowed to talk to each other yeah and in their eye it's jail and it's probably what they had feared the most prior to the decline was you're going to just stick me away somewhere and i'm going to be locked alone and a lot of that anxiety and fear comes out and they can't verbalize yeah. it so what are we going to do i don't know but we got to do something we've we've got to keep connected to these folks immediately you know we all discovered you can't sing simultaneously on zoom we muddled through but again Again, we found a lot of online resources. And so with my particular group, we did a lot of sing-alongs and I pulled up videos of Bing Crosby singing, let's all sing with Bing and just have fun. And because now we're not preparing for a choral concert, but the point is for us to get together, to see each other, to share a little bit. So we did a lot more talking, but getting to know each other. There's a woman, JP Yoga, she does chair yoga. So we did a lot of chair yoga with great songs that 
they know from their young days that they can relate to. And we just kind of made it work as best we could. For some of my folks, it was hard for them to connect on the screen. It really was. They did okay. And then the summertime came and usually we don't do much over the summer. We usually have a, a sleepaway camp. Gene always jokes about, hey kids, send your grandparents away to camp. I am putting this in my will, like right now. Like I'm putting it in some sort of like thing that says you best have sent me to sleepaway grandparent camp. Oh yeah. I mean, our rocks group, they were scheduled to sing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And unfortunately, none of this materialized, but we started Encore University and we did online classes about music, about reading music, about vocal technique, and then still some sing-alongs. Let's just get online and sing some show tunes, or this week we're going to sing from the Great American Songbook, or we're going to sing 50s doo-wop this week. Anything we could to keep them connected as best as we could to us and to each other, because we were really developing a nice community and we wanted to keep that going. You are the second person I've talked to this week who has talked to me about how this staying on Zoom and finding these ways to continue to meet has actually saved many, many programs. As somebody who runs them, I was feeling the complete opposite. I was like, this has just completely wrecked everything. It's driven it to the ground. No <laughs> one's going to show up for real rehearsals anymore. This is the worst. I, I hate this. I'm burnt out. And then you talk to the people who are on the other side of the screen, the people who are not running these things, who are not reinventing wheels, the people who are not rebuilding everything. And they're telling us, thank you so much for mm -hmm. keeping us connected. Even when I didn't want to, even when it was difficult for me, you kept me connected. And now when we get back in person, I'm going to be there. Had you forgotten about me for a year and a half, two years, I don't know what I would have done. Absolutely. And I really am taking strength from those <laughs> comments because it's been hard. Yeah, yeah, it's something that was really helpful, especially with Encore and with my Capital Harmonia folks. Usually for Capital Harmonia, we don't do anything over the summer so that we get a head start on our Christmas music because that's, that's always a <laughs> We're all burnt out and we're, we only have time for Christmas. Somebody had said, could we still every other week, could we do something? And so we did just for an hour and it was just like we'd sing two pieces and we'd talk about whatever was going on in the world. It was great. And all of them were really wonderful about sending emails to just say, hey, thanks for doing this. We know it's so much work. And they gave us a lot of grace at the beginning. Thank goodness, because it was messy <laughs> at first. And sometimes it still is. I mean, you'd think by now I could share my screen having any problems. But those messages were so helpful that they would just forward to us all of just these little notes to keep us going because it is exhausting. But if we know that it's making a difference, then the exhaustion is worth it. And I think that that exactly. is so important. Sometimes I do wish our audiences could see us because for all of this talk, Chris and I just sat and we were wrapped and <laughs> nodding our heads and just smiling the whole time, which when you can get Chris to be quiet for that long, you know, <laughs> something's going right. But I mean, I embrace that. But Marianne, it has been so lovely to meet you tonight and, and to share everything that you're doing with our listeners because from cradle to grave you are changing people's lives with music and I'm so grateful for people like you. Thank you. It was great to be here tonight. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.